0: Hey everyone, it's good to be back with you all. I know it's been a while since our last episode was posted. The CrossFit Games were an extremely busy time of the summer for me, and after the Games, I'll admit, I needed some time away. But we are back, and we are back in a big way with a great guest. However, before we get to today's guest, I want to remind everyone that September is Suicide Prevention Month. And this is an especially important cause to me because this podcast is brought to you by Tomorrow Project. Tomorrow Project is a community whose goal is to inspire those who are struggling with anxiety and depression to fight to see tomorrow. And right now, Tomorrow Project is running a sale so you can save 35% off your order by using code TOMORROW35. Now that's T-M-R-W-35. Again, it's a great community. A portion of every single sale is donated to suicide prevention, specifically to an organization called Mission 22. So head on over to the site, grab yourself some cool apparel and help raise awareness about suicide prevention. Our guest today is Heber Cannon. Heber, as many of you probably know, is one of the buttery bros. If you don't know anything about the buttery bros, please give them a follow on Instagram at buttery bros, subscribe to their YouTube channel. A lot of great content coming out. From the Buttery Bros, a lot of great long form content, and they do a great job covering athletic and fitness industry events across the board, not just in CrossFit. Heber himself is a film producer, filmmaker, photographer, and really a great storyteller. He has produced, directed, and edited four feature length documentary films. Three of those films are in the iTunes Top 100 Best Selling Documentaries of All Time. So make sure you open up that Instagram and give Heber a follow at HeberCannon. Now, I think you'll find this episode rather interesting as Heber and I discuss some of the more debatable topics that have been popular lately amongst the CrossFit media community and landscape. For instance, is the barrier to entry too low? Are there issues with value and compensation? Should we be providing content to athletes for free? Do brands really appreciate the content that we provide? And we address those questions plus many more. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and subscribe on Spotify and Apple. You're listening to another episode of The Creator's Podcast. All right, Heber, thanks so much for hopping on this episode of The Creator's Podcast. And uh, I think what initiated this conversation was, you know, you and I exchanged a few messages. I've been a little vocal lately about just the landscape of, of um, you know, the CrossFit media landscape that is. So um, I kind of wanted to just kick things off um, and ask you a little bit about where, where, the world of of CrossFit as it relates to the media presence, and I'm not talking about CrossFit as a, as a company, I'm talking about in the world of CrossFit with the many brands and all that, where do things stand today? And part B of that question is really how has that changed since you've been involved with CrossFit, working directly with CrossFit? Growing the the Buttery Bros brand, like how have you seen it evolve, and where do you think we are today in that world?
1: Well, let's go retroactively. So, I don't think it's just limited to CrossFit uh, where the media space is. Everything in media has changed since I started working in in media. Like when I first started working in, in for CrossFit and in media, you know, we were recording to tapes, and I would go to a CrossFit event and. Uh, I I had an old Panasonic DVX one hundred B, which is this old camera that was the first of its kind that could shoot. Uh, it wasn't even really twenty four frames a second. It was like a fake twenty four frames a second that that would play back, so it looked like it was film. And so I had bought that in college, and I was using that for my first few videos. And then uh, I remember this guy named Jordan Gravatt, who used to work for CrossFit Media, um, was the first person to use a. a DSLR to shoot video and I was like, "Oh my gosh, look how cool. Look at that that depth of focus. Look at that bokeh." Like, how is this guy's video look better than mine? So I went that day and like researched everything be- between the difference of a 5D Mark II or 5D, just the 5D from Canon and the the 7D and why one would pick one or the other and it was because the the 5D had a better overall image but had terrible slow-mo so I was like well I'm shooting action I gotta have slow-mo so you know that was where I was when we started this whole thing and there was no like there was some brands that were around back in 2008 and 9 but not anything that really lasted to now like you can finish you'll shoot with a raw video camera and be able to offload it edit it and get it up within like like I've shot videos and turned them around literally uh I shot this video of Brent Fakowski squirting himself in the face at a regional back in 2017 in the middle of an event. And before the event finished, CrossFit had it published to their Instagram page. Cause I was like, this is too good of a shot. We have to get it up right now. I ran to my computer, I edited it, gave it to the people that were running the media at the time. And it was live on their Instagram before he got to the finish line. And like that level of technology and publication is, is a dramatic difference from where we started. Um, And I want to say in 2019 when when CrossFit kind of shut down its media wing for a few years, that's just opened the door for, for kind of a wild west in the sport. But it's really cool because um, a lot of other sports have this sort of activation, but CrossFit was one of the first that I noticed. And mind you, I'm biased. I was really close with it. That allowed for creators to really come in and help tell that story. Like NBA – NFL, big sports are too um, far down one path to uh, allow for this type of uh, storytelling because they have so much control over what's going on or they're, they're so far down on a professional level that they wouldn't allow for it. And so CrossFit itself is a really cool sport and part of that is because of the creators that have helped tell that story throughout the years and that they've been open to it. Do you
0: think that CrossFit itself would be as big of a sport now if we didn't have that kind of shutdown for a couple of years and a flood into the industry of people like myself who were now able to pick up a camera and and get involved? Or do you think that the, res- the sport would essentially be where it is today in terms of visibility and popularity and, and revenue perhaps without that influx of people uh
1: this isn't anything against the new media or or um new creators like you that have come into that space since 2019 like they just opened the door for people to come in but i i Mm -hmm. actually the the company itself was on a higher trajectory back in 2018 and intentionally was slowed down and made big changes um which damaged big relationships with companies i don't know how much i can actually even say but like Uh, if you just look at the open participation numbers from 2018 to, -hmm. to where they were in 2019 and 20, and they're still coming back from what that, what happened in 2018. So I don't think that's a result of the media. That's just, that was some internal decisions that affected the outcome of the sport in an unfortunate way. But I think, do you think if they had continued on that path, I think there was a lot of uh, like, they've kind of course corrected a little bit. um, Mm. And, who knows how that path would have gone? It, it had a lot of cool potential um, as a as a sport for sure.
0: Do you think that too many people, for instance, at the games and semifinals, are are provided media credentials to shoot? It's,
1: it's hard to say. Like it's kind of cool to see new talent come. And CrossFit's always been about like their business model is a free market, right? Like anyone can go take a mm-hmm. level one and potentially open a gym a couple weeks later. Um, and their philosophy was always. Uh, you know, the cream will rise to the top. Like if you, if you are unqualified or not a fun personality, your gym's not going to do very well and we don't expect it to succeed, but we expect that highly motivated people are going to find this, this level of training, this type of training and, and, uh, encourage others around them to come and do it with them. And, and there's been amazing growth as a result of that. And there's also probably a handful of gyms that shouldn't have that qualification. And I would say the same thing goes with media where, yeah, like at 2019, people would be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm really excited to go to the games. What, how do I get a ticket? And I would be like, just go apply for a media pass, dude. Like, they're, not, they're not turning down anybody. And there was so many people in the media pit that year. It was, it was, you know, for us, it was just like, it was fascinating because we had been in the media pit, but we always had like floor access and behind the scenes access. So it didn't really matter where we were. But that year it was a, it was a total flip where we were, no longer working for HQ and we were behind like if we weren't at an event 20 minutes before the event started we didn't have an angle yeah. of, that, of that event but also there was That's so right. many people that were shooting that year that had no purpose they just had a media pass so they'd be like hey man do you want my shot or do you want this spot like i don't really need this so the, the media people were extremely helpful in 2019 to help us because we it, that was a, a grind that year to make a documentary about that specific season. And, and the media there was, it was wild, but really fun to, to see. So one of
0: the things that I talked to other people that are in similar positions as myself that, um, you know, are, are on a freelance basis or working with a couple of, you know, maybe a training camp or a couple of brands. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm guilty of this same action. But lately, I think my position on some of these issues we'll talk about has changed. Um, but what I'm the, the point I'm making here is when I'm at an event and I'm assigned to shoot, you know, some athletes for underdogs, for instance, or you name it, do you think it's a problem that I then – am going up and down the floor and shooting other people and then posting that to my page when I wasn't assigned to those athletes. I'm not getting paid by those athletes or their brands. Do you think that that is a problem that exists at event CrossFit event competitions? And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but um, I I don't want to bias you with what I think is right or wrong. But what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a like there's a lot there and it depends on Mm -hmm. what your goals are as a professional Um, like if your goal is to grow your Instagram page based on images of other people and your personality isn't attached to it whatsoever, anyone there with a lens can do that. And so how are you differentiating Mm -hmm. yourself besides taking like, it has to be a really consistent stream of baller photos. Otherwise, the other 30 people with this exact same vantage point are going to have that same thing on their Instagram, you know? So like, what kind of content are you creating? And you do a great job. Like I'm a huge fan of your work where the reels are cool. The music's always cool and it stands out. Um, But if I'm just taking photos of athletes to cover the event um, and I'm trying to grow my Instagram or I'm trying to be a professional photographer to get hired, like if I'm hired, so I'll say this, like we were hired by a brand in 20 19 it was really this is a conflicting year so this is is probably exactly what you're talking about so 2019 (laughs) i go to an event i'm not gonna say what event it was but we had a huge target on our backs because we've been hired by a massive brand to cover the event for them for photos and then i also Mm -hmm. applied for a second pass that was buttery bros and they were like okay this is confusing because when you're with the this brand brand x will say Mm -hmm. you have access to a lot of other places that you don't have access with buttery bros so okay. just make sure like whatever you shoot in this situation can't go up on a buttery bros account this is all owned by reebok so i literally like would carry around two shirts and i was and i told the guys that were watching me i'd be like okay <laughs> if you see me in this i'm on buttery bros and if i'm not where i'm supposed to be please let me know because i'm like i'm very cautious about this i want to make sure everyone's cool i don't want to like we're, we're kind of loud and obnoxious. So I, I, I don't want to be doing that if I'm especially representing another brand. So mm-hmm. that particular year, anything I shot for that brand, I gave to that brand and didn't touch it. Didn't go on our social media, didn't go on anywhere except for when they would post it or the athlete would post it and they would tag us. And then I would maybe repost that. But those photos from that event didn't go up on my own personal page because in my mind, that brand had paid for those and they owned the the IP for that. But when I was doing buttery bros stuff, like all of that was like, we, I I, want to say we rented a third camera. So we had a buttery bros photo camera Mm -hmm. and a buttery bros video camera, and then photos for this one brand and anything we shot on this, we just left for them. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, one of the things I think sometimes, um, and I, have just sort of realized this as I've gotten to know people in in the space would be, you know, you know, Carlos, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. And when he's shooting uh, at the games, for instance, he's covering mayhem athletes. So um, you know, I've talked at at, you know exhaustion with him about this, or you know, Carly when when she obviously has been with Proven and just recently left. But they're kind of storytelling for those camps for those athletes. And so I've you know we've talked back and forth about well, should that just really be something left for them to do and kind of own those stories, Um, as opposed to you know you know Proven wants to get out that that hero shot of Tia for instance, but when there's 30 people lined up and they all want that cool shot and we all post that same shot, does it dilute, um, or kind of rob a little bit of the, you know, steal the thunder for instance, of some of these, these other brands and people who are so invested emotionally throughout the year, they're finally at the big event to cover them. And then it's like everybody's getting the same stuff. So, um, that's that's something that I've thought about recently, and I've tried to maybe tailor that back a bit where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit more respectful of my colleagues in this space to say, I know they're assigned to this. I'm going to let them kind of cover that, and I'll cover the people I've been assigned to, and I hope people will respect that as well. So do you think that that is a realistic expectation that we can set in this industry, or you're never going to get your hand, arms around it because there's just too many people in the space and everybody wants that shot. I,
1: yeah, I think right now it's sort of the wild west. Like I think it's optimistic and I think it's a cool ideal. Um, I think the reality is, is people are too hungry to get that one moment. Like like when we're shooting documentaries, I hire people and I'm like, your only job is the finish line. And it doesn't matter okay. if it's Tia coming in fifth or or uh, Christy. O'Connell coming in first, you're getting whoever's crossing the finish line at whatever moment in, in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And so don't get caught up in your, your favorite athlete. And that's the only one, like, if I come back and I get only this one athlete from you, you didn't do your job, but like when I'm working for CrossFit or, or if I'm representing a band, like a lot of that comes down to who's paying for it. Like if CrossFit's, um, like they literally will, will block off seats for main sponsors like when Reebok or, or I guess Noble now, so like Noble and Rogue and then CrossFit have like seats at the finish line in the Coliseum where they used to at least um, that are reserved for them so that no one else has access to shoot those so they get those moments. Um, and that's a really good way for them to police it, but really it comes down to the event and then uh, just common courtesy amongst yourself and other creators. But I remember when Tia finished the the wrote that was like a paddle of it. So it was like a swim paddle event last year in 2021 mm-hmm. where she finished, She you know, that big oh, like yeah. flex moment. The and then, flex, I can't tell yeah. you how many times I saw that same angle from so many people <laughs> and I can't decide if that was a bad thing or not, but like for Tia, I think it was a net positive.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And I, it was funny cause I actually saw that picture that Tia herself had posted, but she actually took the original of the photo and it was flipped.
1: Right. So it was, it was
0: funny. It was the same photo, but like, it was different. She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it." Yeah, it exactly. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was interesting, and it was just kind of funny. But um, all right, so let's talk about money in CrossFit. And obviously, I know you're really plugged in. So goal is not to extract anything that is off limits. Um, more so, just to get your your input on on some of these topics in terms of like compensation in the sport for creators. Um, I think. And again, my opinion has has changed on this. I have a full-time corporate job, um, so that means that I think when I entered into this area, this this world, I was willing to do stuff for cheaper, willing to do stuff for free. We've all been there and done that. I think when we're just picking up a camera, for instance, um, but I think I probably held on to that too long because it I didn't need those didn't need that work and that money to and, pay rent and, and to put food on the table right for,
1: to a degree it's fun too like you're like oh it is i fun. like doing it is very this fun. It's, a, it's a hobby Correct. and especially when it's a hobby and there's times where it's like ah you, you can't afford my rate and it's almost insulting to take something lower so i'll just do this you know
0: right yeah <laughs> exactly yeah right and i've been there um so do you think that there is the the floor is too low for creators that are of a certain threshold of quality i there certainly is going to be a spectrum of you know people whose content should be very cheap because of the quality maybe they're just getting into it or maybe it's frankly not that good and then there's people who are really really awesome they produce produced really high quality stuff and they can command a higher price i mean free market economics i'm all for it but do you think that as a as a community we have maybe set a floor too low because we want to be so badly, like at the games, or so badly to shoot a semifinal that we actually lose money doing it. And brands are able to just kind of shop that out and say, well, I can get someone to do this whole weekend for 500 bucks. I don't want to pay this person's $1,000 day rate. So I'm going to go with them. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that kind of harms the collective kind of bargaining power that we have, um, as a community. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I think that comes down uh, and I, I don't think this again, isn't limited to just CrossFit. This is just media in general sure. now with so many people wanting to be content creators, whether, uh, doing kind of what I do or just in general, wanting to take cool photographs. Um, and I talked about this with, my, uh, some other professional photographers that are not in CrossFit whatsoever and. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the answer is. I think in this space, I don't know how many people are there not being paid or what people are being paid. I just know when I see someone talented and I want to work with that person, usually like, of course, there's some back and forth on what the final budget is, but it's not a lot. When 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 I like somebody, I'm going to hire someone that is extremely talented and if they give me their price mm-hmm. and it's like way absurd I'm like ah, oh, hey man sorry i can't afford that this is my budget if you can't work with that that's fine we'll find someone else but know that you should be paid for what you're doing and um uh, there's ways like if if the messages for creators photographers Cause I kind of play both sides We're like I hire photographers and I also work with brands. Mm-hmm. And then I also am a, you know, now with podium, we're hiring photographers and other people. And the people that are doing that come to me and ask my advice on this. So I'm, I'm sort of influencing that side now as well. Um, so for photographers, you, you gotta know your worth. You have to be making money while you're there. Otherwise it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's a hobby, but it, you can turn into a profession and, and it's a lot more fun when you're making money. Um, <laughs> unless and, and like the who you're working for is is crushing your creative soul in a way that's that could be a negative yeah. um and then for brands like there are brands with a lot of money that can afford stuff that uh, mm-hmm. that are really high end and then a lot of them are like, some brands that are going to the games, they're not making money. Like they, they might just break even at the games. And so for them to, to bring a photographer too, as well, they have to justify that cost. And so figuring out how to make it beneficial for all parties, um, it's a really tricky situation. And so I I think some of that is brand dependent on like, I'm going to ask a really well-established brand. Like, like we'll just say if, um, I, I, it's kind of a weird position because I don't want to like, like I would ask a brand that's been well-established and has multi-million dollars in marketing that I see spent in other areas. If they come to me and ask mm-hmm. to shoot content for them, it's going to be a very different price than than a startup brand that's just in the space mm-hmm. trying to get by. Um, but I really like the product, you know, like, and there's right. different ways to make money. We have that same thing with the Buttery Bros where like brands that we work with um, we've kind of got things really leveled out, but especially starting out and getting to where we are, it was, it was definitely like, okay, Hey, we like this brand. We like this product. They can't really afford us. How do we make it mutually beneficial? And finding ways to do that was, was tricky, but kind of fun, part of the fun. And so it's uh, for yeah. photographers. I think the, the overall consensus is they need to be paid and, if you're not getting paid, don't just go to have the experience unless like yeah. you're making for something for yourself, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. What have you, um, obviously being on the side of like being the content creator, um, managing a brand and, and like you, you, you talked a little bit about this cause you're hiring out, um, you know you're hiring people to to help you with whether it's buttery bros content or other things um and now obviously with uh with podium so what do you look for in uh a content creator that that really like kind of draws you in to say oh this is somebody that um i would like to work with or like what what is the what is the creative part of your brain kind of get drawn to to say oh this is cool i like this because like you said There are a lot of, it's very saturated. There's a lot of people who take pictures of the same things or the same slow motion reel. So how do you get through that minutia to find like the good hire?
1: I think a lot of it is hustle and seeing where people like, and like part of, part of this conversation, especially for the buttery bros is I'm very flexible because I can do all of it. Like I know everything, right. you know, mm-hmm. I can write the contract if I need to, and I can export the final product. I can do everything in between. Um, yeah. yep. So for, for hiring out for the buttery bro specifically, I'm, I'm looking for someone like we use this guy, Rick Jones a lot. He's a freaking stud. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. we just happened to be going to Jason Hopper's gym and I knew he was there. So I messaged him and said, Hey man, we'd love to have you come shoot with us for a day. And he was like, there I'm in. And, I'll give this, like, I usually do this as a test for some photographers and editors (laughs) or shooters. uh, And I don't expect him to to do what we do, which is like, I'll say, hey, man, uh, here's our video camera. We're going to be doing this 20 minute workout. I don't need all 20 minutes. Just kind of keep the camera rolling and set it down here on the ground in case like homie over there trips over the box and we have a shot of it, at least from like a wide shot. So just always keep the camera rolling, but set it down and pick up this photo camera and give me some photo stuff. Homie did that, knocked out the photos, crushed the photo game, and then also got cell phone footage too on top of it. Like he went above and beyond (laughs) what I'd asked him for. So that like, we had all levels of content, which was what you need when you're producing something like this is is really, we should be traveling with a photographer probably two or three videographers and someone doing social media for us on these productions, but we don't have that budget. Yeah. So we have, you know, right. Swiss Army knives that can kind of do everything. Um, and he crushed it. So he went above and beyond. Another big thing is, is personality, someone, especially for something like the games where you're going to be hanging out all weekend long by getting someone that you get yeah. along with. And then when it comes to like probably more what you're asking is, is when I'm with podium and we're hiring a photographer that I, I just want to show up and everything's set up, and we're we're like I don't need to have much input. We're finding people that yeah. that I like their the quality of their images, um, and I like the the that they know how to edit, especially if you're doing reels or like they have a rhythm to their edits, mm-hmm. and then uh, not complete. Like we, we've let, not let yeah, we, we, we've not hired some people because they were too tied to the own, like every process of it. We're like, I was like, Hey man, Got we it. can, we can like, we'll edit these or they'll edit the podium. will edit them in house. We just need you to shoot it. And they were like, no, no, no. I, yeah. I do all this. And we're like, ah, okay. Like you can do that, but I still want the raw photo. Cause I, we might make some tweaks down the road. Like oh, in perpetuity, we might be doing something five years from now that we're not doing now. And we might have a different color palette. So I don't want to be tied to a baked in JPEG that you've got. And so if they didn't do that, then that that flexibility was wasn't there. The the job wasn't right for them. Um, So yeah, yeah, creative eyes, things that are different in and depending on the level of what the production requires. So some shoots are just like, hey, we're just gonna go to a gym, and we're gonna work out and you get some photos with this I know this gym well, and there's natural light and it's beautiful, and you're going to use it. and other times you're like, "Hey, we need like a full studio setup, and we need lights and we need props and, and we need a whole gambit, and so we want to hire you and, and whatever help you need to pull it off. you know so
0: yeah. Where, what do you think the biggest what, what do you, where do you think that creators can make the, the, the biggest change in a positive direction in the in the creator community? Like what do you think that we can do? to make it, make ourselves either more successful, command, you know, better compensation or earn more business contracts. Like, wh- what do you think, what are some tips to this creator community? Because we're constantly, people are always asking, like either they'll reach out to, to me, I'm sure people reach out to you or people like Carlos and, and others to say like, hey, you know, I have a client, how do I handle this? Whether it's contract writing or or just deliverables, like what do you, what would you offer to the, the community as a whole to say, here's how you can just grow and be a better content creator in the space. And maybe not even just in CrossFit, like you said, because it expands beyond that. Um, so a lot of people, obviously, CrossFit maybe 10, 15% of what they do and they may do stuff elsewhere. So um, what would your advice be?
1: Um, a couple of pieces of advice I would give is I'm always fascinated when I'm at an event and there's like 15 photographers at the same spot and then I like to look around the venue and see who's not there and where are they and what shot are they getting? Um, yeah. So be creative and not just sticking to what the herd is doing. Um, and obviously there's places where it's like, oh, you've gotta be here cause you gotta get this shot of like yeah. you and I at the the Mac, we were both at the, the behind the stadium at the back of the stadium shooting down on the GHD setup because, or the runner cause that was like the only place you could get that shot and it was a cool shot. Yeah. You should have it, especially if you're showing a, a compilation of stuff. Um, the other thing I would say, the big factor is figuring out what you're best at in terms of deliverables and hitting your deliverables and going above and beyond for what brands want. Um, like I would say we've, I don't know how many brands we've worked with, but it's very rare where we don't have a repeat business with a brand. And I think that's because we, we set low expectations and we hit those and go above and beyond for them. And, um, so making it very clear what you're planning to do and then try and do more than what you're, you're, you're telling the brand that you're working with. If that's the goal is working with brands. And so, uh, figuring out what that deliverable is and having paperwork ahead of time is so much cleaner than like, I, I'm terrible at this. I like, we hire someone now to help us with that. Cause I'm not great at, at paperwork. I just, I did it for a long time as out of necessity um, mm-hmm. and now it's, I keep forgetting to do it cause I have other people that help us. Um, uh, but yeah, figuring out what your deliverables, deliverables are ahead of time and then executing those at a, at a better level than they anticipate.
0: It's funny you bring up, uh, being away from the herd. Um, the first guest on this podcast was, uh, David Sue training. Yeah. Day. Uh, and when I first met him at rogue last year, I noticed that too, because he'd post posted stuff. I'm like, where was he? Like, we were all at the finish line. He was and uh, he got this cool photo and he was nowhere near and the stuff was just different. And so I kind of like always put that in the back of my head. Like it's the, it's like the training day or the David Sue approach is like, don't be where everyone else is always. Yeah. Obviously there's a time, a time and place to be in those places, but, um, yeah, that's that's other, otherwise you're going to, you know, you're just going to your picture is going to look like everybody else's or your video is going to look like everybody else's. So um, if you have multiple people different, because then you can put them where they need to be. Um, but it's it's when you hear it from the people who are kind of at the top of their game like yourself, you're like, OK, there's a theme here. Yeah. And maybe we should start applying it, applying it better. <laughs> she um, does a great
1: job. Trinity's is great.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Kind of a little bit back to like compensation. Um, do you think that we that the creator community has a a poor understanding of the economics of CrossFit or a poor understanding of the the size of these businesses? I know we have the tiers, we have the Nobles. We know they have deep pockets. They've got you know investment or they're big sustained businesses. But other smaller companies like maybe grip companies or beverage companies that are there that are new, like maybe we don't have a good understanding. So we think that, you know, they're just being cheap. Um, or maybe there's like a middle ground where, uh, they have money, but maybe content's just not a priority. So where do you think, you know, maybe we're, we're not, we're not good stewards of understanding, uh, our our potential clients.
1: Yeah. I think, I think there's probably it's, (sighs) I think for that it's a case by case basis, depending on Mm -hmm. the, brand that you're working with like tier has money they've been in mm-hmm. this sporting space they i mean to have been around as long as they have you hope they have money if they don't yeah. they, they're doing something wrong uh because right. they're a massive brand in the triathlete and swimming era and they're just coming into crossfit and so um but you don't know how much of their budget is. That's the other thing is we don't know how that company operates. So how much of their budget is allocated towards sponsoring athletes and how much of that budget is allocated towards media content creation. And for us as like podium, we're a startup. We've been around a year and like, yeah, we're in some big places, yeah. but we're still like, like <laughs> I've never started a supplement company before. And we're still <laughs> one year in and like, yeah, things are looking good, but we're not of a, a decade-long establishment with the massive pockets um right. and so it's like uh but I'll, I'll tell you this as a as a as a someone for that company anytime we talk about signing a new athlete one of the biggest discussions is okay how are we getting content from them and mm. and okay if we pay them x y and z like one reason why emma lawson was so attractive to me was because uh as an athlete is because training day media was at the same gym as her. And I was like, Oh, it becomes so easy to pay him to just go get photos with her. And, and we didn't even have that conversation. I just knew that. And everyone kind of just knew that. And so now we were able to hire him to get content with her and it's great. Um, and so if you're a content creator, trying to break into the CrossFit space, like go help athletes out because that's where if athletes are able to get partnerships and make money that, gets more brands in the space that want to spend more money. Um, and, and really content creation has no ceiling because there's so much media being consumed right now. Um, as long as the sport is growing, the the media reach should continue to grow as well. And that budget should continue to flow. So to answer your original question, case by case basis, depending on the brand. And I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of brands that are just startup trying to figure it out. And, and, um, even if they're an established brand, they're like I'm blown away by tier specifically because they're they're coming in and spending so much money, but they haven't. I don't know if they tested that water and and you know props to them for coming into this uh, kind of aggressive sport from from swimming and investing what they have into our community um, because even like a brand like that you don't know what the C suite is telling them that they can spend to test this, to prove the concept to them mm. in more money. And so, yeah. um, but I think as a photographer, you got to demand what you're worth and, and figure that out yourself. And that's a hard thing to do. It's it, like, that was my biggest question when I was leaving CrossFit. Like I had been doing media in CrossFit for nine years, not ever having to do a contract or figure out what my day rate was <laughs> and then all of a sudden and I'm, I'm throwing out the wolves and I'm like, okay, yeah. this company's wanting me to shoot a commercial for them and provide photos. Like how do I, what do I charge them? What do I, what do I do here? And so I had a bunch of phone calls with, uh, filming friends outside of and inside of CrossFit to figure out what to charge brands and then figure out what I thought my value was worth. Um, okay. Over time.
0: Yeah. That, that's interesting because, um, I think we probably all go through that. I had somebody, I actually had a gym owner reach out to me because they said that there's a photographer that's come by a couple times, has given them like 100 photos on two different occasions, they sent me a link to the pictures, and like how much do you think, like he refuses to take money, how much do you think that I should pay him? And I'm like, Whoa! I'm mean, like, there's a lot here. Um, you know, I have no idea how much time he spent, or you know, what, like what? It's it's just it's it's crazy. But I think we're all trying to figure it out. Even and this came this didn't even come from the creator side. This came from the actual gym owner who just felt like she needed to compensate, which. Props to yeah, props to her, to her because her. that's fantastic. Like most people, just take it and run, right? Um, so that was that was fantastic. But yeah, I think we're all trying to figure out a little bit. I know I've gone through that when you first at least enter the market and you're wondering like what's fair. And sometimes you tell a number to people and it's like, whoa, that's a lot. And other times it's just it's straight up perfect. Sounds good. Send us an invoice. Um, but to your point, because there's different sizes of of businesses and different priorities and different budgets, it is hard to find consistency in the environment because the rate i might give to somebody else um maybe sticker shock to them uh versus somebody else who who they think is you know very maybe average in the industry comparative to what they may pay elsewhere so um do you i know that you kind of talked with other people externally how how did you settle upon your skill sets like what did you evaluate about yourself that that helped you come up with what you thought you were, your work was worth
1: well i think I had some great great conversations with people, especially back then, all the athletes were super helpful because they mm-hmm. were helping brands hire photographers for them and they were like, Look, we've worked with you for a decade almost or for four years and we have a relationship and that's valuable because I'm so much more comfortable hanging out and shooting with you than I am just this random person mm-hmm. that this brand is gonna send to shoot me. So so your history with the athletes, that's a value add. Um your proof of concept that you've been doing this for so long, that's a value add. And so if you don't have those things, it's not hard to get it. You just have to like, that's where you like, unfortunately you got to do what you're talking about, which is work for free and, and build that Mm -hmm. across time. And where you get to a place where it's like, Hey, I'm not getting paid what I want by brands. You have to be okay, not shooting or figuring out how to make it so that you're not, um, devaluing your product by shooting for less than what you're worth. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, if you've been doing this for years and you have a really good relationship with multiple athletes and brands, um, sometimes you got to shoot for free. And I look at that as an investment into the future of like, Hey, I've got this really good relationship with Noah Olson. He wants me around. Um, how do I make this financially beneficial for me? Like using that, like not using the friendship, but like, building mm-hmm. upon that trust because what I'm doing is providing him value and he's providing that value to now the brands that he's working with and so yeah. um, and getting to know athletes in the space interacting with them helping them out to, to then help lock in better deals down the road is a is a great way to go about it and then also figuring out like if this brand isn't working you know the other thing is the list of deliverables because some brands yeah. might not need a hundred photos from the CrossFit Games they might need two
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. And I know people like that were like, Oh, I got hired by a brand. They're paying me five grand for five photos a day. Yeah. Right. And like, and I'm like,
1: like, wow, props to I'm you. Like, wow.
0: <laughs> Good for you, man.
1: Because <laughs> You could do, high. you could do like five of those deals and be walking around with 25 grand a day because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take that long <laughs> to shoot five photos. But like some right. brands like that, like. They know what their deliverable is, and they don't want to have to make a decision on what the f- the five posts are based off 500 photos. They just want right. they just want five just bomb want ass photos, yeah. so they can pick three to post. You know,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: or reels. That's very you know, true. so it's it's like while I was figuring out what I was worth, I was simultaneously trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I was like, like I don't like yeah. going to events and shooting for us this company. Uh, so like the right. first in 2019 for Wadapalooza, we were there shooting um, for Wadapalooza because we were like, uh, we had no money, right? We're, we're, we are we're just yeah. drained our budget going to Dubai. So now we're starting the year <laughs> out for us, no money. Uh, so Wadapalooza agrees to bring us out and put us up if we give them a video at the end of the week. So we're shooting a highlight video for them. We're also shooting two videos for for a sponsor at that event, which happened to be at some CBD company that is no longer around. And then on top of that, I was like, okay, well, that kind of gets me paid to be here, but that's not what I want to be doing in six months. So now we're gonna shoot this Danny Broflex sketch at night with Dan Bailey. And we shot two, I think, there. And then on top of that, we're starting this Buttery Bros thing. And so we put together two Buttery Bros vlogs. And then on top of that, we were there shooting uh for the 2019 documentary, and we didn't know what that was gonna look like. So I was embedded with Tia and and, uh, Pat Vellner all weekend, getting behind the scenes content with them at their hotel rooms and then getting the competition footage of them. And so we had seven things going on to make it financially viable to be able to do what we wanted to do six months down the road, which was buttery bro stuff and documentary work. And, and, um, but because I had really good relationships with athletes, I could go to the, that company that, that was paying me. And saying, "Hey, this is what I charge for this event, and here's what you're gonna get for it." And they're like, "Cool, that's the, sounds good." Yeah. But to get that, I should sell this backstory, which was before we did that job for them. They called us in a panic midweek uh, Christmas. It's it, you know they called me on December twenty eighth, and they said, "Hey, we need a commercial running at, at Um and we need it shot." By the end of the year.
0: <laughs> so a couple days. So
1: within 24 hours, I was on a flight to go shoot a commercial with this brand. <laughs> and I was like, this is what we're going to charge. Like not only are we charging you for for uh, last minute. Um, and they also flew someone from like the middle of nowhere to come over, see the whole production. Who was total. She was awesome. Um, but they. They fly me and out. They cover our day rates. They cover like last minute rates and a holiday rate because it's now New Year's Eve. And yeah. <laughs> so we're there. And this is a perfect example where we're shooting all day for them. And then um, at the there's other tons of stories that happened with us and this brand there. But the, the my thinking here is like we finished shooting for them we put those cameras away and then we pulled out our buttery bros cameras and we shot a whole mm. buttery bros episode that happened to be our first episode ever, which was acid bath in Matt wow. Fraser's garage. And so by the time we got to a to work with this brand, I was doing all this other stuff because I had shown them like, Hey, not only am I efficient, I'm really well in with this industry. Um, They actually gave us a shot list and some ideas and we did that. And then I shot more to say like, hey, this doesn't really fit his personality. Let's do this instead. And they ended up liking our cut way better, our ideas way more than what they had thought because they were trying to do something really weird. Um, And so we built that trust. Then we get there and we were able to have this like, hey, we're going to come and go. We don't need to be in this booth the entire weekend and we're still going to get exactly what you need while also getting what we need. And they were totally cool with that. But so it's a yeah. combination of like being available, taking advantage of the opportunities that were given to us um, and also knowing our value so that we could actually make money killing ourselves to do all that.
0: How often does it ever come up or did maybe this is I mean, obviously, where you're at now, I'm sure this never comes up, but maybe getting started. Um, did it ever come up to where like when you were to pitch somebody and you give somebody a price you you reference or say, you know, and also, you know, my equipment costs a lot of money. Cause I hear people say that they're like, nobody knows how much our cameras cost and a lens cost and a, mem- and a memory card. And don't get me wrong. Like my CFast cards cost $300 a pop, um, or CF express ones. But it's like, is, is that just kind of everybody just roll their eyes at that comment like that? Like, yeah, we know it's your equipment. It's, it's overhead. Or is that, is that just kind of an old strategy? No,
1: I mean, I, I think there's different ways to go about it. And also equipment's a whole nother discussion, right? Like The amount that, like going back to how we started with my DVX-100B and then, (laughs) dude, I had this backpack. Oh, it was such a crappy backpack. Uh, It was (laughs) called the TIE video bag. I probably still have it somewhere because I'm a pack rat. But uh, I packed my camera in there and then I had massive hard drives that were like, I I still have the hard drives back there because they're broken, but like they really, like maybe a terabyte, but I want to say like. 400 gigs and they were like this big oh, and i would gosh. carry like six of them in my backpack because i like kept everything <laughs> with me when i was first traveling for crossfit to now like i take my laptop and my dslr camera and like one lens um and a drone and i can fit it all in my backpack and go anywhere in the world and, and never have a problem um so yeah. when it comes to like hey the my equipment's super expensive relatively it's not you don't need big equipment to have really beautiful images like Mm -hmm. like it's funny now when you show up to some shoot i remember showing up to some shoots and they're like oh that's that's all you've got that's it (laughs) and i'm like hey man i've produced six feature-length movies and and trust me you won't be able to tell the difference between this quality and that quality and there are times where it's like oh they can probably tell um and and yeah you probably need the highest end stuff but for the majority of social media content, like if I'm shooting for reels and stuff, like don't overthink the equipment, just get the job done. Uh, but if you are in a situation where you have to have um, camera gear uh, that's really expensive, I definitely include that in the in the budget where it's like, this is my day rate. This is me to show up without a camera, just my, my – like this is my relationships here. DoorDash is calling mm-hmm. me. That's weird. Um, but this is just me on and, and my personality showing up on set versus like a whole c- camera like equipment stuff. So usually if yeah, it's if sure. it's a situation where I need camera equipment that's going to be obscenely like a very expensive deal for us, I've either built that into the budget of hiring us or. I'm like, hey, look, we can shoot it like this and this is the cost it's going to be and it's going to be like 85% of what you want. Or if we want to go this extra amount, this is how much more it is and we have to have a crew and we have to have have you to pay for this extra equipment because that's not something that I own. I, I rent that for the shoots. And then also gotcha. in that situation, like really you should also almost be tagging on like a half day beforehand for camber prop where it's like yeah. if, if I'm hiring you to shoot uh, – with an Ari Alexa with a Panasonic lens and, and a new lighting setup and new sound equipment that you've never used before. um, You should be like, you got to test that. I mean, that's what the guys over at rogue do is they'll, they'll have a whole camera prep day and that's just kind of built into their budget. I believe, which is um, I just know Todd really well. I know how particular and and specific he is in his cameras Uh, and that they, they'd spend a lot of time to get that right. and, um, Rogue does a lot of things right, and I think some of their media is is awesome. and uh, that's you can't say that's not a result of all of that investment for them.
0: yeah, i've always I always go back and I watch some of the Rogue's content on their YouTube page where would just be like maybe sixty seconds of something in eight k at I don't even know what the frames per second are, but it's extremely, extremely slow. And I don't know what camera they're using. and I've always been curious. I'm like, is that a red? because um, it's got to be something either they up they they upgraded the output to 8k but um it's pretty wild there's one of the old events they were like all these people are coming out of the water and i mean the way that the water is just like falling off their bodies is super cool i know richard um bloomer had a i think he had a phantom at the games which is pretty dope yeah i, I uh, think that that's shoot, like 500 frames per second or something yeah that just that... so i know
1: rogue for a long time my buddy Tim would shoot for him and he would always he would be their, their phantom operator. And they would have, I want to say okay. there's some events where they had two phantoms. I was oh, like, what gosh. are you guys doing with all these frames? Like, I don't see all of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they're literally like, and the way those operate is fascinating because it's not like you hit record and then you have to just stop and start. Because like, if you record for eight seconds, that's like five minutes of footage, right? So like, and it has right. to buffer through. So the way those operate is you the camera's always recording and then you hit stop and then it backs the last eight seconds up. Does ah, that make sense? So it's like, it's shooting yeah. the, all of this media and then it takes like two minutes to buffer that. So if you're in the middle of the event and you hit stop, you best hope that nothing cool happens for the next two minutes. <laughs> or you're going to miss <laughs> yeah. it.
0: You're going to miss it. And props to them because oh, they do a wild. really good job
1: of it. And it's not always like the same shot of someone finishing, you know, like
0: right.
1: <laughs> they're just for like sure. cool moments throughout a workout.
0: Yeah, I'm always impressed by the documentary crews and, you know, people like Torin. I mean, they just, they capture some really, really cool stuff when when they release, you know, the documentaries that obviously that that you worked on and, and that Myra and her team have worked on, like, it's really cool to see, um, the stuff that they capture. I'm always, I'm always jealous cause I'm like, ah, oh, man, I would love to have some of those positions and, and, uh, and shots and stuff like that. Um, I want to just go back briefly. You, um, it was something that you had said to me, uh, on, on Instagram, and you've mentioned it here about being, um, extremely pro athlete. Um, and I, and I do agree with you. I think I was talking to an agent recently. Um, and, the The conversation just pivoted to how, you know, when he's working with his athletes, one of his major goals is to make sure that when he gets somebody involved in a partnership, he the brands are very aware of the fact that in order to produce the deliverables that the athlete has to when it comes to content, um, you know, building in like a content budget for the athlete to be able to then work with the creator that they're comfortable with, which I know you mentioned, makes things a lot easier. And then to be able to deliver that high quality content um, consistently as part of the deliverables for the, that the athlete has to do for that, that brand or that partnership it's just a better experience and, and it just makes the whole partnership better. So, um, when it comes to being pro athlete, the reason I bring this up is because I think people may be critical of the fact that, um, you know, we send photos to, we take photos of athletes at the games or semi or whatever, and we just send it to them for free. And people may say, "Well, don't send athletes pictures for free. They have partnerships and they have brands, and they can afford two, three hundred dollars for you know fifteen photos from the games. And you shouldn't just give that stuff away for free." So, where do you stand on this? Um, and do you think that those athletes should get have to pay for those few photos, or do you think that it's just perfectly fine for us to give them those photos? I'm curious.
1: Uh, this is definitely double sided. So, I think for a lot mm-hmm. of it, like the athletes shouldn't pay but brands should pay if they're doing that and then if brands are paying for stuff yeah. that legally they probably can't get like if they're paying you for the like it's a it's an awkward position i think i mentioned this on instagram where like it's such a the game specifically are such a different animal in any, any event yeah. really um where if you're there shooting like there's a reason that that noble is the title sponsor of the crossfit games and they don't want mm-hmm. tier t- the a massive competitor to have um photos of You know, like, yeah, like, no, no, is paying for that, that competition to be minimal. And they, they want to own as much imagery as possible. And CrossFit owns all the images from the games. So it becomes a question of like, is it morally responsible, not, is it morally acceptable to take a photo of a CrossFit Games athlete, turn around and at the games, turn around and sell it to a brand that's not there? Um, and so it it becomes yeah. like uh, you know that's really a question for CrossFit and I, I I think in the contract they could come after you or ask you to take it down because I think they own all those images um, and they've asked us specifically like hey if you can't include this brand in this in in this type of way in this episode um, and we're a very unique situation because we we have you know a 35 minute show that has responsibilities to different brands throughout it. So we right. have a whole conversation with CrossFit before we even get to the, the games about that. Um, so I think if I'm at an event and I take a photo of an athlete and I have a bunch of photos, historically, I've probably just given it to them just because it's, you know, mm-hmm. they're friends and and they'll take care of me down the road and they'll help introduce me, but like to their brands. But uh, other times, like it's not, uh, I don't think it's out of the question to be like, hey, who's, this, who's benefiting besides the athlete for this? And if it's for a brand, mm-hmm. if it helps the athlete with a brand, help me, you know, utilize this brand to make money off of them. Like they should, I'm not going to charge them a lot, but I've, this is my IP. I don't want to just give it out for free. Um, even though it's the athlete's face. I mean, that's also weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like how, yep. how much of this is, is, uh, I think the answer is often like, Hey, I will give this to this brand this time. Uh, but if you, you got to put me in touch with, um, And figure out how to make this something that is mutually beneficial down the road. And I love the idea of brands building in when they do a partnership with an athlete, an allocated media budget associated with that athlete. So I'm paying them X amount of dollars a month or X amount of dollars a year. And every month, we're also spending X amount of dollars. Uh, For them to pick a creator for content and the deliverables we need. But what I like as a brand, what I don't want Justin Medeiros worrying about is getting me content. You know, like I want to be like, hey, go work out. Just be cool with me sending this photographer or let me know a photographer you want to work with. And I will negotiate with them to get the amount of photos that I need or videos or reels or whatever I need for a podium on a totally separate thing. You just go win the CrossFit Games. Like that's all I want you to do. Right. And for an right. athlete, yeah. like you got to be media conscious, but you also have to be very focused and driven if you if you want a long, if you want a long history in the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're you're, and that's the thing I think sometimes that um, I forget personally is that athletes age, <laughs> like. Justin is not going to be competing I mean he I mean I'm not saying he won't do a masters or things like that but he may just you know there's there's a, there's different ways you can go when you're no longer an athlete and you're not going to always be an athlete there's a lot of life left after that so um you know, it is about kind of building your brand. And I think the more that athletes are able to do that um, as they progress through the sport and mature, um, you know, I talked to Noelson about, about this recently, just, um, you know, very casually, it was just about how, um, you know, as he's entering into his 10th year, um, you know, he wants to continue to grow his brand so that it transcends beyond just this, you know, him going to the CrossFit games. And obviously he's got partnerships and, and other things like that. So I think that's where the creator community can, really help amplify the athletes, um, generate more exposure for them. And that's beneficial for, for kind of all parties It just, I think where we get a little, um, you know, frustrated on the content side is that if we're doing stuff for an athlete, we know they're being compensated. We know the brand is, is making, making money. Um, so then we feel a little left out in certain situations, or we can feel that way as if, you know, we did this stuff for free, but everybody else involved is, is profiting. Yeah.
1: And be- um, maybe not instance. profiting, but they're benefiting off the marketing from it. They're
0: benefiting. They're Yeah. So yeah. I, I think yeah. it,
1: that becomes like, Hey, yeah, I think it's a, a again, almost a case by case when appropriate conversation, but, mm-hmm. um, like for example, with, with, I'll tell you this story. So with Sarah Sickman's daughter back in 2019, we were going to follow her through strength and depth. And so I talked to mm-hmm. her manager story and I was like, Hey man, I'm putting my life on a credit card and I'm coming out there to do this thing with, with Sarah. Um, do you know any of her sponsors or brands that need uh, that need content or, or, you know, footage of her, or, or some or a photo of her. And uh, I can't remember the name of the, like her, her, I'll just say, I'm, I'm not going to give me any free money now, but this, this supplement company at the time, <laughs> they nickel and timed me, but I got a couple hundred bucks from them or something. I got a decent amount from them for what we were doing and what they asked. Um, but they were like, Sarah and her camp were kind enough to introduce me to that brand. And then they said, Hey, this is up to you now, go, go see what you can do here. Mm -hmm. We just opened this door. And so I think, um, when it's a situation with an athlete that you have a relationship of trust with, and they enjoy hanging out with you, like you got to put in that, that sweat equity. And once you've proven that, and they want to continue working with you, that's when you're like, Hey man, like this is beneficial if you can't afford to pay me, let's figure out how I can be compensated because I got, you know, mouths to feed, roofs over, to put over my head and and a, and a life to invest in. Like Noah's got a the brand that he's trying to build down the road. I've got a brand that I'm trying to build as well so that in five years, I'm not nickel and diming with every brand that comes to the space. And so yeah, no, for sure. um, I, th- I think that's also, you know, that's part of figuring out what you and what your brand is. And if your brand is... Taking the dopest photos in the CrossFit space, awesome. If it's building the coolest YouTube channel out there, awesome. But figure out what your goal is, and then and then uh, hit that as hard as you can.
0: I think that you, I would, I wouldn't, I don't like calling you. Yes, you're a content creator, but I think you're a storyteller. Um, you know, you guys tell stories, whether it's being at events. Um, athletes you're 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 doing more than just creating hype reels i'm sure you know there's there's different times and places for that type of content but um i want to get your uh advice to people who want to do more storytelling and less um, and not that you can't storytell through photos Um, photos always have their place and can be very powerful i think there's definitely a A demand for a lot of video content these days and there's like the hype reel, you know, 60 90 second stuff and and that that's always there's always going to be a a demand for that. But for somebody who wants to tell better stories, what are the things that you incorporate into episodes with the buttery bros um, or in in just personal projects um, for yourself that that you think are important components to telling a good story?
1: So when I went to college, I hate people are like, "Oh, did you go to film school?" And I'm like, "I I did, but I don't learn anything from film school. Don't go to film school. (laughs) I took uh, like I learned way more just picking up. It ages me now, but I you know with my blockbuster card, I was able to to get a way better (laughs) education than uh, than uh, you know I should say that to my Netflix. Like back back in college, man, I would rent. I had a Netflix and a and a blockbuster like mail in subscription thing. I had six movies coming to my house every other week. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I consumed so much movies and that was my film school. And then also on top of that, like I understood that I was, I had a pretty good background in filmmaking and I had taken some photography classes. I was really starting to understand cameras, but I didn't know how to tell a story. So I actually did a double major in English and film and in English. Mm. I remember like <laughs> I had an English teacher who I was, I had, was, it was a Shakespeare class and um okay. he pulled me aside one day and he's like hey man like if you don't understand the difference between pros and I forget the actual term right now but if you don't understand the difference between these two things like you really should be an English major <laughs> and then I showed him the book I was reading I was like well help me identify here why I can't like how everyone else is getting this and I'm the only student in your class that's not and he was like oh you don't have the actual college's like book that you're supposed to go buy. And I was like, no, I'm saving money. I've got like a Shakespeare. I've got every Shakespeare book story in the world in this giant book. And he's like, well, in the school's version, it has a different, like it's italicized when it's this say. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you can't, he said, that makes sense. Go go. Spend, the dumbest thing is they were like $10 books. It was the cheapest book oh. in the university. So I went and bought all the books and then I was, I got an A in the class and, and, uh, but I had told him like, look, I'd, I wanted to learn how to tell a story. That's why I'm an English major. Like I, this is my goal. I want to go make movies. I want to be able to tell stories. And, uh, I want to know how a story arc works and what, um, you know, the three part story is. And, a, and, a, and, and so, you know, there's basic Wikipedia stuff that you can take and learn. And, and, um, it's very different telling, uh, 5 second reel to a 15 second reel. I think that's a jump. And then to 30 to 60 second is a jump, and then from that to a 5 minutes short film mm-hmm. is a big jump, and then to a 90 minute to 120 minute documentary is a totally different job. And so um you can really spend time on almost each one of those windows to figure out what you're best at and what you enjoy doing the most. And if it is long form story content and you want to really hone that in. Like I would study movies. I would study how something like, um, I kind of not even study documentaries. I I didn't particularly enjoy documentaries. I just ended up making them. Uh, but like I studied snatch and I studied Guy Ritchie's movies and I studied, mm. um, Michael Bay movies of absurd as they are. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, I, and and other movies like David Fincher and why am I entertained with, with seven and fight club for these two hour long movies that look like they're about a giant quick paced murder mystery or, or fight club. But really they're like, they're this like (laughs) thesis on, on the modern day man. Right. And so it's like, how is that entertaining to me? And why do I enjoy this segment of the movie and this segment of the movie and, and really like breaking down how fight scenes work? Um, and and rhythm and movement throughout the stories and and so and pacing um mm-hmm. so i spent a lot of time kind of doing that and then expanding my work like that's why i was so lucky to work at crossfit for the years that i did because they gave me like so much creative control like they they would say hey we want you to do a video on this and i was you know, they gave me zero parameters. And I was like, awesome. Don't give me any, i like, don't control this whatsoever. Just let me go do what I want to yeah. do. And so before I made frowning I made this like 25 minute short film about the 2013 CrossFit games, where it was like my thesis on why the CrossFit games are the best test of fitness. And mm-hmm. the whole goal with that was, can I make this entertaining and a discussion about this event that lasts for 30 minutes? Can I make that entertaining that people would want to watch it? And it it crushed. And then the next year I went a little bit further with this story about Miranda Oldroyd who had broken her neck and, uh, had this amazing recovery where she went from breaking her neck and, and being like minutes away from being basically a paraplegic to the, to a year later winning Jackie at the regionals. Um, and this, this incredible comeback story. And I, and I made like a 45 minute documentary on that using new graphics and losing Different storytelling techniques, and then I felt comfortable where I was like, okay, now I'm going to tackle a 90 minute movie, and that's when I did Froning, and so like Mm -hmm. kind of piecing it together. So figuring out how to kind of do that is like a one way to go about it, and um, finding like I was really lucky that I was working for CrossFit and they were willing to pay me a salary while I kind of figured all that out. And mind you, you that wasn't all I was doing during that time period. Like I was doing so many other projects, Um, but. Mm -hmm. I was constantly finding passion projects that I was excited about that I could really sink my teeth into and grow as a filmmaker and storyteller.
0: Yeah. No, it's super cool. Got this, uh, ambulance. Solid yeah. Place. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let it pass and then I'm going to wrap real quick and I can cut all this out. Perks of living in Chicago, man. Was that
1: where you're at, we should have had you come so, out. We were just out there.
0: Oh really? Where, at, where, where were you guys doing? We went
1: and did this Tough mutter out with uh, Brennan Shaw. Oh, so we went. We were just happened to. Oh wait, actually, I I heard about. Or
0: I had a friend who wanted me to do like actually do that. Um, that Tough mutter. So that's interesting. It was in like the Chicago. It was in the suburbs, I think. Right. Or yeah, somewhere. it was in
1: between Madison was- and Chicago. So I've been to Chicago three times in the last like six weeks. And then, uh, oh, dang, yeah. uh, we happened to go to the Laugh Factory, right? That's the comedy club downtown. Oh yeah, yeah. To see Brendan yeah. the night before, and we were walking around, and we walked into this brand new gym's like one year anniversary party. <laughs> like, oh, do you remember what gym it was? Uh, I could find it, but it was it was some. Hey. I, I, it's a CrossFit gym like ten yards from the Laugh Factory. So if you just look at the Laugh Factory and CrossFit, oh. it, it's right there. I wonder. I wonder
0: what what
1: gym it is. So it was really funny to be wandering through and then like the buttery bros walk in. (laughs) They're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, People are like, whoa. What are you guys doing (laughs) here? I was like, we're here for your party. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, well, Heber, I just want to say thanks so much for, for hopping on the podcast. I think we covered a lot of, of different topics and areas and things that, um, you know, obviously have been, um, more talked about at least after the games and things, things like that amongst our little community. But, um, you've got a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience. And I think people will really benefit from, from listening to all that you had to share today. So I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do for, for CrossFit, the community and and everybody, um, that's not even in the CrossFit community, um, but enjoys media and content. So look forward to, uh, seeing you again soon. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. Appreciate you. Thanks
1: man. Appreciate you too. Thanks for having me on And, and for all you creators out there, keep grinding.
0: Well, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Creators Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so shoot us a message and let us know what you think. We'll talk to you guys next time.